Everybody's doing good today? Yeah. That's what I'm hey, okay, um, who, who like sitting in here is drinking the apple cider? Well, there's the culprits. Who's getting like more than 15 cups a day? Some of y'all, what are you feeling? Listen, I got one favor. All right, one favor. Just leave me a cup. Like I just, I'll, I'm going to tell you my little, I'm going to tell you what happens, all right? It's my little thing that, that happens. And I'll start pre- This has nothing to do with message. Uh, but it's like, like I do first service and, I, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I want some apple cider. And I tell you what, boy, when I get over there, I'm like, let's go, apple cider. It's like, drip, drip, drip. I'm like, yeah. Like, well, I guess I'm getting apple juice today. Uh, no, uh, but I, I love the apple cider. Listen, I'm glad that you guys are, are here. I'm excited. I did get like half a cup, so that's awesome. Um, we'll have to start bringing more apple cider. That's like a good, a good thing to do. Y'all like smash the lemonade and apple Who like, are, do y'all appreciate the coffee and the lemonade and the apple cider and all that? All right. I'm just like, one week we're just not going to have it and see how many people get ticked off. I'm be like, we'll use that as a sermon illustration. Are you here for the coffee or are you here for Jesus? You know? No, I won't do that to you. <laughs> Somebody's like, can it be both? Please, can it be both? Hey, a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one that I have coming up is November the 13th. We have baptisms going on. Uh, man, we are pumped about that. If you know anything about how we do baptisms here, we make it a party. We make it a celebration. We already have individuals signed up for that. Uh, so make sure you scan that QR code. Let our team know that you're interested or you know someone interested in being baptized. The second thing that we have coming up is our candy walk. It's this coming Friday. Listen, why do we do it? We've done it for the past few years. Uh, we know this. We know that a thousand different families or a thousand kids are going to come past the coffee shop. Every single year we've passed out Come Sit With Me cards. And every single year families have visited our church. And some are here even now because we passed out some Come Sit With Me cards at a candy walk. So, man, be praying for us with that. We want to definitely make an impact in our community. We, we know this. Sunday mornings are great. But we have to get the church outside of the four walls of the church, and this is just one of the many ways that we do it. We also have our multipliers celebration coming up. What does that mean? That means if you volunteer at, in any area at this church, man, we want to celebrate you and we want to party. So if you serve in kids, if you serve on the setup team, the teardown team, the media team, the, the band, the worship team, if you're a greeter, you're in the parking lot, whatever you do, whatever you, if you're a part of a group, whatever you do, we want to celebrate you. So... That night, December 11th, from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., we're going to cater some food. We're going to have some comedians, and we're just going to have a good time and celebrate and party, all right? So put that in your calendar. Make sure you are there. Anwar has promised me that the, that the comedian is good. I, <laughs> if you were in here for first service, <laughs> I was like, Anwar was coming in, and I like caught him off guard. I was like, Anwar, how's the comedian? Because it's his buddy. He's like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, oh, man, is he good? Like, give us some enthusiasm. Is he good, Anwar? He's awesome. There you go. That's, that's, all, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. So we're going to come, and we're going to celebrate. Hey, so we've been in our last day series for two months now. We've been in it for eight weeks. And today I want to kind of pause, not pause on the series itself, but pause and kind of reflect and take a look back. I think sometimes we can dive into Revelation, we can get going, and, and then we forget what the origination is for. But this is what we know about the book of Revelation is that we can't be afraid of it. I've said the same thing every single week. We can't be afraid of the book of Revelation. Just because we don't fully understand it doesn't mean that we're called to ignore it. It's like you have to dive into it. We also know this, that the book of Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. It's him, it's him making himself known to us in the last days. We also understand that the book of Revelation talks about a lot of stuff be honest with you, a lot of stuff I don't understand. 
A lot of stuff that I don't have like the conceptual capacity to, to grasp. Like we talk about the mark of the beast and we want to talk about the antichrist and we want to talk about the end times and the tribulation and all of this stuff. It's good to talk about, but here's the reality. Our focus has to always be on Jesus. Too often when we dive into books like this that we don't fully understand, we want to focus on the Antichrist. Can I, like, newsflash, the Antichrist isn't the main character in the book of Revelation. Jesus is the main character in the book of Revelation. Jesus is the main character in every single book from Genesis to Revelation. And everything in between, our focus has to always be on Jesus. And as we go through the book of Revelation, we understand that we're not going to know it all. We're just not. Why? Because we're finite beings. If you, listen, if you ever meet anyone and they tell you they know exactly when Jesus is coming back and they tell you they know exactly what the book of Revelation means and they go verse by verse and say, this means this emphatically, this and this and this, run from them. Don't listen to them. If I ever stand up here and say, I got the book of Revelation figured out, go to a different church. Like, nobody laughed at that joke, all right? I'm like, really? <laughs> yes, Really? Like the, the book of Revelation isn't me, meant to be emphatically known. Again, we're finite beings, and Revelation 1-1 says it's a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. If, if it's progressive, then it never ends. It only ends when Jesus comes back. That's when the book of Revelation ends. That's when, we, that's when we'll understand everything. Again, look at 1 Corinthians. How do you know this, Zach? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now we see through a glass dimly. Who's, who's we? It's humanity. It's you and I. Paul's writing, he says, hey, now we see through a glass dimly, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Man, that should be some encouragement for some people in the room. All that we know now is partial and incomplete, and that's okay. I, I wish I had my life figured out. I wish I knew what was going to happen 10 years from now. I wish I knew when Jesus was coming back. But the reality of it is all I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Then is when Jesus returns. That's when we'll know everything completely. But, but, but look at the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Now we see through a glass dimly. It seems like a direct contradiction to what I've been saying for the past two months. What have I been saying? It's that the book of Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. Well, if it's, a progressive, if it's a progressive revealing and unveiling of who Jesus is, then why does it seem dim? Why does life always seem dim? Why, are we, why do we go through seasons when life seems dim if it's a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is? Jesus is. Does anybody ever feel like that way? Why is life hard? Why does life seem dim? Why do I know the steps that I'm supposed to take? God, can you just split the heavens and talk to me once? Like, can I hear an audible voice? Anybody, anybody ever wrestle with God like that? God, which direction do you actually want me to go? God, God what do you actually want? Just, just tell me what you want me to do. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can say things like this, or you, you say things like this to yourself. You don't know if God is really there. I remember being in, in college, going to school to be a pastor, and I would sit in my dorm room and I would wrestle with myself. God, are you really there? God, are you, are you real? Or is this some, some make-believe story that's got a lot of people fooled? God are, you, God, are you really there? I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but, but think in your mind's eye for just a second. Have you, you ever asked those questions? 
God, I <laughs> man, I think I'm talking to nothing right now. God, are you, God, are you really there? God, God, are you really listening? God, if you're listening, then why don't you respond? If you're listening, then, then why can't I see the direction? If you're listening, then why can't I hear the answer? God, if you're really listening, then why am I still in the same situation that I've been in for month after month after month? Why, why is my family still in this situation? Why is my marriage still in the same situation? Why is my job situation the same? God, are you even listening to the prayers that I'm presenting to you? God, are you really there? And then you begin to wrestle, God, if God's not there, and if he's there, then he doesn't care. Because he's not answering my prayers. I'm not, I'm not getting anything back from him. So if he is there, he just doesn't care about me because he's not listening to me. And if you, have, you ever, have you ever wrestled with those moments of life? I remember when Jenna and I have said this before, but I remember when Jenna and I had a miscarriage. And I was ticked off at God. Can I, can I be real with you? I was pissed. Zach, can you say pissed? Yes, because it's the real emotion that I had. I think too often we try to come to church and we try to mask our emotions. God can handle your emotions. Hey, okay, maybe I'm going to step down here. I'm not going to say this as a pastor. I'm going to say this as Zach, all right? Pastor Zach, Zach, all right? God can handle you cussing at him. Can I be real with you? You ever been in your car grabbing the steering wheel just ticked off at God? I'll tell you one of the moments in my life that I was, I was ticked off at God more than any other moment in my entire life. It was when my dad died. And it took me a while to actually be able to talk about this without kind of really just breaking down. Because I was ticked off. I'll kind of give you the, the scenario. I'll give you the story. So I go to a doctor's visit with my dad. And uh, my dad had a pick line. Anybody know what a pick line is? A pick line kind of keeps his heart pumping. They, they called it jet fuel. I don't know what the real medicine is, but they call it jet fuel. It's like this little pump that if his heart started to slow down, it would kind of pump his heart, keep it in rhythm. So I go to this checkup with my dad. My dad was on the heart transplant list. For some other reasons, he, he got taken off of that list and uh, go to this doctor's appointment. And the, the doctor brings me out in the hallway. And she says, hey, Zach, we have to, we have to take the pick line out of your dad's arm. He's not going to be able to pump his heart. I said, all right, okay. Like, what's, what's the next step? Are we going to do surgery? Is there, is there another medication? Like, what? There's always a next step, right? Like, just ask, okay, what's, what's the next step? And the, the doctor kind of looked at me and said, hey, there's... There's no, there's no next step. We've actually called hospice. Hospice is on the way to the house. And if I'm honest with you, uh, by the way, I was a pastor at this time. I mean, this was th three and a half years ago, pastor at the time. And I said, you got to be kidding me. I'm like cussing at the doctor. Like, are, are you serious? What do you mean? What do you mean hospice? What do you mean you called hospice? Go, I go to the bathroom. And we get to my dad's house. And I see the bed in, in the, the living room. And I go to the bathroom, and I was like, oh, I got to use the bathroom. I didn't have to use the bathroom. I was ticked off at God. I throw some water on my face. I'm like grabbing the sink. I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm just like, God, how could you? Like, what, where are you? God, God, do you even, do you even care? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm a pastor. Don't I get like, don't I get a pat on the back? Don't I get something? Don't I get like, like one request? Like, don't, can, can you just answer this? Like, just come on, God. Like, you say you're a healer, then heal my dad. I'm, I'm wrestling with God. I'm ticked off at God. Y'all can stare at me with some glossy eyes, but I know all of us have been there. And if you haven't been there, I promise you one day you'll, prob you'll probably be there. All my seasoned people in the room, they're like, yes, <laughs> I've been there a few times. God, where, God, where are you?
this is what I've come to realize. When my dad, dad died unexpectedly, life was dim. Listen, if you try to start a business and it doesn't go according, according to plan, God's still there. When your marriage starts to hit a hard spot, God is still there. Just because life seems dim doesn't mean that God isn't there. And that, that's what you and I have to learn today, that just because life seems dark and bleak and we don't understand it and our prayers aren't being answered and we don't have the answers to everything that we're asking, it doesn't mean that God has left us or forsaken us. It means that he's still present with us. Life sucks sometimes, but God is still there. Life is uncertain sometimes, but God is still there. Maybe you're a single person in the room and you thought for sure by now that you would be at least dating someone. Maybe you're a single person in the, the room and you thought that you would have a family by now. You thought that you would have kids by now. You, you knew that you knew that you knew that you would be further along than you are by now. May, maybe, maybe you're a college student in the room and you thought the first two majors were the, first, the, the, the ones that you were supposed to, to like go for. Now you've changed your major 14 times. You're like, what am I going to do after graduation? I'm studying. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. But you're like, what, what, what am I going to do after graduate? You knew that you were going to be further along by now. Maybe you're in the professional field. You just changed a job or you're thinking about changing a job. You're like, why am I even thinking about this? I thought I was going to be set by now. I thought my life was going to be good by now. Life just seems dim, but God is always there. But when life seems dim, we have the tendency to do a few things. The first one is this. We want to blame God. We want to blame God for absolutely everything. And after we blame God, we think he doesn't care. And after we think he doesn't care, we actually begin to doubt if God is real at all. And it's just a cycle that we can get in. And if we think that God, if we start to doubt in God, then in doing so, we give up on our dreams and our desires and our calling that God placed inside of us. So look at that cycle one more time. We blame God. Anybody ever blame God for something? God, how could you? We blame God. And then after we blame God, we're like, God... It's your fault, and because it's your fault, I, I, I see now that you don't really care for me. You don't really care for my life. You might care for everybody else, but you don't care for me. And then after we blame God, we find out he doesn't care, and like, God, I don't even, I don't even know if you're really there. I don't, e- I don't even know if you're real. I don't, I don't even think, I don't think you're real. And then we give up on the dreams and the desires that God has placed inside of us. But how does this pair with the book of Revelation? Go back to Revelation 1.1. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. I'll ask you this question. If you're taking notes, write it down. How do you discover something if you stop searching? Because when we doubt God, when we act like he's not there, then we stop searching for God. We start, we stop diving into the word. We stop spending time with, with Jesus. How can you discover something if you're not searching for it? It's as simple as this. Are you spending quality time, quality one-on-one time with Jesus? I think that's actually the answer to every problem in our life. Spending quality one-on-one time with Jesus. Zach, it's too simple. Jesus didn't make the thing hard. He, He didn't make following him. He didn't make like the steps hard. It can be uncomfortable, but it's not hard. Spend time with him daily. That's, that's all that we're called to do. spend time with Jesus daily. Spend time with Jesus daily. Or do we treat Jesus like a vending machine or a fast food restaurant? You ever been on like a road trip and you really don't need gas, you really just have to use the bathroom, but you're really hungry. You're like, I just need, I just need a pick-me-up. I just, need, I just need a little something. 
That's All right, time out. I'm going to stop preaching for a second. Y'all are glossed over this morning. Wake up. All right? Wake up. Talk back to me. Do something. All right? I got people yawning. I got people stretching. Cool. Like, I get it. We're all lock in. All right? Lock in. Okay? Don't come to church and just gloss over and then leave and be like, what do we even talk about today? Lock in. All right? Lock in. Cool? All right. Y'all ever been, right, respond back. Anybody ever been on a road trip before? Yeah. All right, we're getting somewhere now. You ever stop to, at, at the rest area? Yeah. Okay, all right, y'all don't have to keep talking back to me now. All right, it's going to be weird. But, man, like you get off on the rest stop and, and you pull over. You got to use the bathroom. And you're, you're hungry, but you're not starving. You just need like a little pick-me-up. And then you go to the vending machine. And when you get in front of the vending machine, you realize there's really not any good healthy options. So it's like, what, what's like the, the best thing that I can get that's going to taste the best, but it's not going to be too bad for me, right? You throw in a couple bucks, you hit A7, pack of crackers falls, you get in the car, start driving down the road, you open up the crackers, you get like two or three in, and you're like, these aren't good. <laughs> or you get something like with a ton of sugar, and you're mad at yourself, you like get a sleeve of Oreos. These are really good. I'm mad at myself for eating them. Like, <laughs> like you, ever, you ever feel that way? And then you realize whatever you got isn't substantial or sustaining. Man, we treat Jesus the same exact way. We want to pull off off the interstate and we want to pray, hey God, I need this, this, and that. You know what? Let me just get, let me get a little bit of that. That'll be good. And then we, we go on our journey, our day-to-day life, and we realize that it's not substantial or sustaining. Why? Because you didn't spend quality time with him. Or you treat God like a fast food joint. Who loves Chick-fil-A? Everybody loves Chick-fil-A, all right? If you don't, you don't love Jesus, all right? Like, Chick-fil-A sauce, the Holy Spirit, incarnate. Like, <laughs> some of you are like, what does that even mean? Look it up later. But, but see, like, okay, now here, here's the real question. Has anybody ever gotten a wrong order from Chick-fil-A? When you get a wrong order from Chick-fil-A, your anger goes from zero to 100 real quick. Like, you get ticked off at Chick-fil-A. You expect it from McDonald's, right? You expect it from Burger King. You expect it from Wendy's. But when you get a jacked up order from Chick-fil-A, you are mad, right? That's what our prayer life is like with Jesus sometimes. Like we get mad, we're praying, God, can you just please, and we fill in the blank, and we're mad at God because he doesn't answer our prayer the way we want him to answer it by the time we finish praying. It's like getting a bad order from Chick-fil-A. Like Chick-fil-A, you're Jesus' chicken, get it right, right? But we, we get mad, we get mad because we're not spending quality time with Jesus, We want it how we want it, when we want it, wherever we want it. And if we don't receive it the way that we want it, we get ticked off at God and we start to blame God. Again, think about that cycle. We we have to move past that. I was talking to one of my buddies, Corey, and he said he was at work. It was a couple years ago. He was at work, and uh, they had a little delay, and there was a pastor that was walking around talking to everybody, and and Corey strikes up this conversation with him. And and Corey goes, hey, pastor so-and-so, like, how often do you really read the Bible? Pastor's like, oh, I read it every day. Of course, no, man, there's no, there's no way you read it every day. You're a pastor. Like, you have to say you read the Bible every day, but how often do you actually read the Bible? And the guy's response was, no, Corey, like, I read it. I read it every day. It's my daily bread. I have to read it every single day. If I ask you that question, how often are you spending time with Jesus? Are you in his word daily? What are you consuming every day? single day. What does your daily bread look like? See, some of us consume more football scores than we consume scripture. Some of us consume more Instagram stories than we do moments with Jesus. 
Some of us will grind hour after hour after hour, day after day after day to, to kind of reach this, this job status, but we won't put in time with Jesus. Some of us can spend at least an hour a day in the gym taking care of our bodies, saying that, that we're just doing it for ourselves, but your, your soul is starving because you're not spending time with Jesus. We'll even consume time with friends talking about anything and everything under the sun and not talk about Jesus. So take a mental note. Write down some notes. What does your daily bread actually look like? What are you consuming regularly? Regularly. If you're taking notes, write this down. What you, be, what you consume is what you become. What you consume is what you become. I, I'm convinced that we don't see God moving because we're, not, we're just looking in the wrong places. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Zach Witt's translation. God is saying, I'm doing something new, but you can't even see it. Why can't you see it? Because you're not spending time with him. You're not spending time with him. If you consume bitterness, you'll become bitter. If you consume hatred, you'll become hateful. If you consume anger, you'll become angry. But if you consume time with Jesus, you'll become more like Jesus. Now, be careful because there's no substitute for time with Jesus. Zach, what do you mean by that? Having a good conversation about God with someone isn't quality time with God. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I could, tell, I, could, I could walk over here and say, listen, I mean, I love my wife. I love Jenna. Let me tell you all about Jenna. I love her brown eyes. I love her blonde hair. I love the way she makes me smile. I can tell you everything I love about her. I can tell you about my relationship with her, right? But you, both of you know, if I'm not spending quality time with her, then regardless of what I say to you, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. I, I got to spend quality time with her. Don't tell me how good your relationship is with Jesus if you're not spending quality time with Jesus. I get this nonsense all the time. Like, hey, man, how's your spiritual walk? Oh, it's good. Well, when's, when's, the last time, when's the last time you read the Bible one-on-one with Jesus? Oh, you know, a couple weeks ago. A couple minutes ago? No, no, a couple, couple, week, couple weeks ago. Start stuttering a little bit. Like, oh, you know. No, I don't know. Tell me. Do tell. What, what if I pulled two chairs up side by side right here, and I sat, down, I sat each of you down one by one? Hey, what did your quality time with Jesus look like this week? Like, what, what would your honest response be? I'm convinced that we don't hear from God, like we throw that term out all the time. I don't hear from God. You don't hear from God because you don't spend quality time with God. Listening to a podcast isn't quality time with Jesus. I'll even say this. Being in a group, talking about Jesus, being in a church group, talking about Jesus is not quality time with Jesus. I think they're good. I think they're warranted. I think they're needed, but it's not your personal quality time with Jesus. But this is the beautiful thing that we see in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Jesus says this, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's about personal quality time with Jesus. And then he goes on to say this in verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I just want some quality time with you. Let's just hang out. Let's just have a conversation. Don't feel like you have to have these words that are 15 syllables long. Just talk to me. People are like, Zach, how do you pray? Dude, I pray to God like I'm talking to my friends. <laughs> hey, what's up, God? 
Hey, so, um, man, thank you, thank you so much for, for letting me have a, a birthday party for my five-year-old yesterday. Man, it's so, much, it's, so much, it's so much fun watching her grow up. Can you slow time down just a little bit? <laughs> but it's fun. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to raise two beautiful girls, to have a wife that loves me. Like, that's what, that's what my prayers look like to God. It doesn't have, Lord, Father, God in heaven, hallowed be your holy name. Like, no, it doesn't have to be fluffy word. Like, just have a conversation with God. And then we get to this moment, but yeah, but how? How do I really have a conversation with God? How do I really have quality time with God? I remember growing up and going to church for the first time, when, not the first time, but the first few times when I was in college. Really didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. I was trying to figure it out. And these pastors would preach these great messages, these compelling messages, and I would be the one sitting in the seat like fiending going, yeah, but how? Like you're telling me to love, yeah, but how? I, I get it. I get what the Bible says. Tell me how to do it. Give, give me some practical ways to actually follow Jesus. What I know is this, God doesn't expect perfection because he already knows that we're not perfect. But do you actually answer the call to follow Jesus? 28 days ago, I asked this question. I said, hey, what would it look like if we took five minutes a day to pray for our church for the next 30 days? Anybody remember that? Anybody remember me saying that? 28 days, four weeks ago, four seven days ago. Anybody remember that? Y'all were like, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You don't have to answer this out loud. How many of you actually did it? Some of you are answering out loud. <laughs> this is what I love. Man, Chaz has sent a group, a text message to 31, a group of 31 different guys every single day, giving us like a topic to pray for. I'm not saying that to condemn you or like to, like, oh, you didn't do it, so you, no. We just answer a call. Spend daily time with Jesus. All right, somebody wore the shirt today, so I'm going to say it. Let me get in your grits this morning. Some of you are like, What? <laughs> Let me get in your grits. I'm okay with making you feel good sometimes. I'm okay with encouraging you sometimes, but I, I think all that's needed, but sometimes I believe in tough love, tough love. And I have to ask a few of these questions. I wrote them down. When are you going to start taking your own walk with Jesus seriously? When are, you, when are you actually going to start taking ownership? When are you going to stop blaming others for why you're mad at God? When are you going to get real with yourself? It's, I mean, it's, uh, the questions are there. This is what's funny. This, um, this morning during first service, if you ever notice this, like I, I walk over here and kind of pray right before service starts, right before I go on stage. And this morning I walked back here to pray and there was something in my way. And I was like, oh, this would be cool to not, if it wasn't here, but since it's here, I'm going to use it as an example. And this is, <laughs> this is what was in my way. It was a wheelchair. He's like, how are you going to use a wheelchair? Anybody want to get in this? Keith, you want to get in it again? Come on. Okay, come on. Come on, Patrick. See if I can do like what I did to Keith. Oh, yeah. Papa Willie, right around. But this, this, is, what we treat, this is what we treat church like sometimes. Pat, I know you don't do this. I'm going to pick on you anyway, not like you do. But what we do is we, can I squeeze through here? Can I make it? Oh, yeah. We're going on a journey today. But this is what we do. We come to church. We'll act like we just got here. We'll act like we got here on time. Some of y'all get that later. But we come to church, right? Oh, the worship team better be good today. The, the worship team has to do the work for me today. I, I, I need to worship Jesus, but I can't worship Jesus unless they're good. And Pastor Zach, man, if he doesn't preach a good message, then, then I didn't get enough Jesus today. It's going to be Pastor Zach's fault that I didn't get enough Jesus 
And what we do is we expect people to, to roll us around and follow Jesus for us, opposed to us actually taking ownership. We expect the worship team to push us up to the altar. We expect the pastor to preach a good message. We, <laughs> he just go roll. <laughs> I'm back here, by the way. But, but that's what we expect. And what we expect, there you go. There you go, take some ownership. Atta boy. Keith didn't even do that today. I didn't give him an option to. But take some ownership. Stop expecting someone else to roll you around. Stop expecting to come to church and everything be perfect so that you can experience God. Listen, you should be experiencing God daily by yourself. That's what it means to follow Jesus. You can jump out of that. Appreciate it. Just leave it there. Somebody might need it later. I wrote this down. Uh, anytime I write a sermon, I kind of write it as if I'm preaching to myself. And I, I like I'm sitting in the chair. And this is a question that I would ask myself. Pastor Zach, how can you say that the book of Revelation is a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is and my spiritual life hasn't ever changed? And then I respond to myself and I said this, maybe things aren't being revealed to you because you stopped or you've never spent quality time with Jesus. And stop with the excuses. You're not too busy. You're not too tired. You make time for what you want to make time for. It's that, it's that simple. Here's the beautiful thing. We know that the book of Revelation, it, by the book of Revelation, that God wants to reveal himself daily to us. And he even tells us how. I read the first part of Matthew 6. Let me read the second part. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Anybody finish it? It's on the screen. You can read. Okay, somebody read it out for me. Keep going. Keep going. Let me give you, let me give you Zach Witt's translation. Lord, you're good. I want whatever you want. Give me enough for today. Forgive me where I fall short. Help me to forgive those who hurt me. And protect me from the temptations of life and guard my heart from the devil. It's that simple. Again, we don't need flowery language. Jesus himself said, hey, don't stand on the corner, go into a closet. Jesus said, hey, don't babble. Don't ba I'm going to teach you how to pray. Don't babble. I don't need all the nonsense. This is, what I, this is how you pray. And he shows, he shows us how to pray. What would it look like if we started with 15 minutes a day and actually spent time with Jesus? How would your life change? How, how would it change? Yeah, but how, Zach? How am I supposed to do it? What if you took the first five minutes and you listened to worship music? What, what if you took the next five minutes and you journaled and you prayed? What if you took the last five minutes and you just listened and contemplated? Again, I've said it like this before. I think some of us don't hear from Jesus or hear from God because we can't shut our mouth. We're always asking for something. What would happen if we just kind of sat in silence and, and contemplated and let the Lord speak to us. Life may seem dim. Life may seem uncertain, but spend time with Jesus and allow him, like Revelation 1.1 says, to reveal things to you. Then ask yourself this question. If you're taking notes, write it down. What are you being equipped with now that will serve you later? What are you being equipped with now? One of the biggest reasons we get frustrated with God isn't because we don't understand him, but it's because we're not spending quality time with him and asking him the right questions. A couple years back when I was in college, my grandmother gave me two gifts uh, my sophomore year of college. 
The first one was this handy-dandy ice scraper. <laughs> like 15 years old. A little tattered a little bit. It's funny, isn't it? A little ice scraper. Got a little mitt. Keeps my hand warm. But she, I called this my Italian mob boss jacket. She also gave me this thing. I'll put it on. Still kind of fits. But she gave me this jacket. And she gave me this little ice pick. <laughs> Momo, I love you. <laughs> Somebody teach her how to give gifts, please. But I, but I got these two gifts. And, and they serve a purpose, right? Like everybody knows what this is for. Kind of get the ice off your car or off your windshield. You know what this is for? It keeps you warm. Here's the problem. I went to college in Central Florida. I was literally on the beach in December. This thing has stayed in every vehicle that I have ever owned since college. This jacket has hung in every coat closet that we, in the house that we've ever lived in. To be honest with you, if it was from anyone else other than my grandmother, it's gone. Like I'm getting, I'm getting rid of this stuff. Here, here's the irony about, behind this. I used this thing this morning to clean off, to clean off my windshield. What is God trying to teach you now that will serve you later? You'll never understand or learn what God is trying to teach you if you don't spend quality time with Him. Revelation 1.1, go back to the beginning of it. It's a progressive revealing or unveiling of who Jesus is. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He can't reveal Himself to you if you're not spending quality time with Him. What are you learning now? Man, I think it's so funny. I've been driving around with this thing for 15 years. 15 years later, it serves as a good sermon illustration. And it still gets ice off the windshield. What, it, what is God trying to teach you? I was in the coffee shop earlier this week. And uh, I was talking to Josh and Manny. And I told him this story and started typing it out. I was like, man, what are some other irrelevant things that like, you've gotten that you, you thought you would never really, never really need? Manny, Manny said that uh, his parents bought him this little device that... It cuts a seatbelt, but it also busts like car glass if you're underwater. Cool. <laughs> Hopefully I'm never underwater. <laughs> Told Manny, I'm like, hey, like it's irrelevant unless you need it. And then when you need it, you absolutely want it. Said he also bought this uh, choking device. Like it, it like helps kids if they choke to like clear their pathway. Manny goes, I didn't buy one of them. <laughs> didn't buy two, I bought three. <laughs> One for his house, one for uh, his parents' house, and then one for his in-law's house. Again, it's a device that seems irrelevant until you absolutely need it. Some of the lessons that we learn in life, they seem irrelevant until we absolutely need them. What is God trying to teach you in this season? And are you spending quality time with him so you'll actually learn the lesson? See, a lot of us say, God, I, I wish I was there. I, I wish I was in the next season. God, I wish I was married. I wish I had kids. I wish, I wish, I, I wish I had the job title. I wish, I wish. I, and we want to get to this season of life and God's saying, hey, listen, if you learn the lessons now, it's going to prepare you for the future. If you try to go there now without, the, without these lessons, you'll never survive. Y'all, I couldn't, have, I, couldn't have seen, I couldn't have seen the road driving to church today if I didn't have this little ice pick. What are the lessons that God is trying to teach us now? We can dive into the book of Revelation. We can talk about all the churches. We can talk about all the lessons. But if you're not spending quality time with Jesus, all of that is irrelevant. 
Again, Sunday morning church service is not a substitute for your quality time with Jesus. What does it look like to spend time with Jesus daily? Do you ever pray for something that didn't come in the package that you thought it would? Like you pray a prayer and it's like, God, would you just answer this prayer? And, And God does not answer it the way that you wanted him to. I'll put it this way. I remember praying. I prayed for a healthy marriage. God, I, man, I, I pray that you would bless my marriage. I pray that it would be a marriage that honors you. Hey, here's the reality. I said it, I said it earlier today. If I don't spend quality time with, with Jenna, then I'm not going to have a good marriage. Jenna and I go to counseling every other Friday to have a check-in to make sure we're on the same page with each other. Uh, for some reason in the church, we like put a taboo on counseling. Counseling is good. I promise you, counseling will help you, <laughs> help you out. I can pray for a healthy marriage, but if I don't spend quality time with you and put in the work, I'm never going to have a healthy marriage. I can can pray that my kids follow Jesus. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that I get to drop them off and multiply kids and let someone else tell them about Jesus. It means that I have to spend quality time with them to tell them about Jesus. Where's James? James, you in here? James, you gave us those Bibles, those kid Bibles, two, three months ago maybe now? We, we read a Bible story to my daughter every night out of that book, out of that, that kid Bible, every single night. About a week ago, maybe four or five days ago, I put Piper to bed. Parents, don't judge me. Y'all have been here, all right? You, like, try to rush bedtime really fast because you just need a break. Like, you just need to breathe. You just want to sit on the couch. You want to go to bed early, whatever the case may be. So Jenna's taking care of Harlow. She puts her to bed. You know, good night, love you, pray for her, all that good stuff. I'm putting Piper to bed. I'm like, Piper, I love you, brush your teeth. Jesus, we have this saying that we do, like, Jesus made you what? Jesus made you special. And that, that's her, she'll respond. But Jesus made you what? Special. Jesus made you what? Special. Pray for her real quick. All right, baby, you are not getting out of bed tonight, all right? Eyeballs, so don't get out of bed. You understand? Mommy and daddy, going downstairs, we need a break. Don't get out of bed, all right? listen to the monitor a little later and Piper's kind of, she's not quite crying, but she's kind of whimpering. Like, dang, she, she didn't blow her nose? Like, what's, what's wrong? She comes to the, we hear the door open, she comes to the landing of our, our stairs. I said, Piper, why are you out of bed? I want to get mad. Daddy, you didn't read my Bible story. failure <laughs> daddy, didn't, daddy didn't read my bible story and I, I truly believe that even at five years old Jesus is progressively revealing himself to my daughter she might not use this language but she recognized that she needed quality time with Jesus and for her little five year old mind and her little five year old heart that quality time is reading that bible story every night See, we get mad at God. We want to blame God. We want to curse God. We want to say, God, how could you? God's saying, hey, listen, I want want it all. I want to take care of all the stuff that you're upset about. I want to take care of all the stuff that you're frustrated about. But you got to spend quality time with me. Allow Jesus to reveal himself to you when you spend quality time with him. So we're going to do a a self-checkup. What does your quality time with Jesus look like? 
questions for you to answer. What does your quality time with Jesus truly look like? Day in and day out. It's your daily bread. You need it daily. Maybe you don't have one. You're like, Zach, man, I've been following Jesus for 12 seconds. I don't have this thing figured out yet. That's fine. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but it can start now. What does your daily time with Jesus look like? As we step back into worship, I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Maybe, maybe you make a commitment that you're going to spend 15 minutes a day with Jesus. I don't care if it's at 4 a.m. or 4 p.m. It doesn't make you spiritual one way or the other at what, what time of day it is. I don't care if you spend 15 minutes a day with Jesus right before you walk into work. Maybe you're sitting in your car. Maybe you show to work 15 minutes early. You turn some music on. You journal. You pray. And then you listen. What, what would change in your life? So all across this room, man, as, as we stand, as we worship, the altars are open. You can come up front. You can pray at your chair. But here's my challenge. Ask the Lord, what type of daily time do you want to spend with me? And see how he responds. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.